Have you heard about this videotape that kills you when you watch it? What a note say, Dan. Cat dead. Details later. See, the police are always off track with this shit. If they'd watch prom night, they'd save time. There's a formula to it. A very simple formula. Everybody's a suspect. Yo, what's up, guys and gals? Welcome to the Horror Flicks and Guitar Picks podcast. I'm your host, Trashmouth, and this week, my guest is the one and only legendary actress, Diane Franklin. Now, Diane Franklin has had roles in some of my favorite horror films like Amityville 2, The Possession, and Terrorvision, as well as roles in other cult classics like Better Off Dead, The Last American Virgin, and the most popular, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I was super stoked to chat with her, and I can't wait for you guys to hear the interview. So, there's not really any news. I just want to say, don't forget to go join the Patreon if you haven't yet. It's only $2 a month, and you'll get a bonus episode each each month as well as a couple other perks that are definitely worth it if you ask me but of course i think they're worth it so and then also just don't forget to go follow me on facebook instagram and twitter especially over on instagram because like in this video there's gonna be a couple things that she showed me on zoom and i put those videos up on the instagram so you can check them out as well so with all that being said here's this week's interview oh my god i love your shirt <laughs> oh thank you it's uh the company that made it is a uh, pizza party printing i'm sure you'll run into them at horror conventions this upcoming year you know since we're finally back to them yeah i see you know what i think i've seen like one or two people come by at conventions with it and oh, yeah. i love it i love it i i mean what it what a great thing to have done that film and then see it on shirts today do you yeah. know what I'm saying? that's super super crazy <laughs> i know it's it's probably one of the funnest horror films out there for sure it's one of my uh like one of my personal favorites my wife actually she doesn't like horror films at all and she loves it so you really? know just because it's so fun good. so good well we'll talk about it more but um how's it going thank you for like making this happen of course thank you for coming on the show how's it been you know i'll start with that instead of being rude and jumping right in <laughs> no no it's um you know i got vaccinated so awesome it, so that's good and i i don't know i i have a lot of hope i mean i'm supposed to do a lot of conventions yeah and I'm supposed to do them in uh, starting end of July. Okay, awesome. And my husband's not too crazy about that because he's like, eh, you know, what I mean, a closed place, you know, masks, everything. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like by then, I mean, hopefully, you know, it would be just great if they could just get everybody vaccinated so we could just all like kind of be human, you know. But yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. So, but yeah, look, so I'm like excited uh, that way. But everything is is pretty good. You know, just, awesome. I mean, that's good, right? Like, yeah, you know. considering all things considered, I'm sure with, you know, quarantine and everything and. Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> and like, you know, just, it's been a crazy year. I think what's, I think the whole world's going to, we're just all going to be in shock. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's like, we've made it. We all like hung in there. And I think everyone is going to be coming out of shock and saying, you know, what the fuck, right? <laughs> what, just <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> They were all going to go broke just trying to enjoy everything once it's all opened back up. Be like, I want to do the movies. I want to do concerts, you know, everything. But I also think, um, I mean, on top of everything, I think it's uh, what's going to be really not good is that like when people start going like, I need my money. Like, yeah. like, like that's, I think, the next level of like 
fear and night nightmarishness because people have been pulling back on like getting money back for things. And I think that's going to be very, that's going to be bad because I think it really, the country really needed a break. And now and it's going to be like, you know, people are going to get pushy. I think. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't know. What do you think? How's it been for you? It's actually been uh, pretty decent. We had a movie theater actually open up here locally uh, during the pandemic, and I actually became the assistant manager of it. So that was awesome being, you know, a movie fan and everything. Yeah. uh, My firstborn was born during the quarantine. So, you know, that happened last year. He's seven months now, but, you know, so... Congratulations. And you know what? It's funny. I was was just going to ask you because my kids are in their 20s now, Mm. but like I know a lot of people had babies this year. And I'm like, that's like such a, that's a huge thing. Like, but you got to be your kid. Like, that's the thing. Like, all the children who are born now get know both parents, yeah, as opposed to one person being off at work and the other one being home. So I think it was really actually better for, for kids, you know? Yeah. Hopefully their parents are good, but so <laughs> congratulations. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. If you want to, we can jump right into the interview stuff. Sure. Cool okay, wait, you. before we start, how what's your child's name? I actually named him Ari because I'm a huge fan of Hereditary and, you know, the director Ari Aster, but then also me and my wife were married on Friday the 13th and, you know, Ari played the first Jason. So it was oh, kind of yeah. just like a kismet name, so... All right, cool. Okay, good. All right. Okay, good. <laughs> Plus, it's, a, it's an awesome name, too. We, it wasn't solely because of that, but that, you know, to me, it was because of that being a huge horror fan and everything. Yeah. So. It's great. All right, cool. I just wanted to know. So cute. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. You're welcome. So my first question is pretty much, you know, probably a simple one that you get a lot. So if you want to tell like a brief version of the story, that's completely cool with me. But uh, what got you into acting, you know, to start back in the day? I started uh, acting when I was Well, I actually wanted to act when I was four. And um, literally I knew like, I want to be an actress. But it was weird because like, I was um, in the house and my parents were immigrants and they like had no idea. I was like dancing and singing in the house. I was just like a very creative kid. Um, And so I guess, you know, and I took ballet lessons just because they saw that I was just very creative and I wasn't like a showy kid. I was just a kid that loved being creative. Yeah. And so eventually they were like, well, what do we do with her? Right. You know, so they uh, had me, you know, like, I mean, I just said, I want to be on TV. Yeah. And at that time we, they went to, they found an agent, I guess, or something at the time, but they, the agent said that my hair was too short and curly as it is today uh and it wasn't the style it was everything was long straight um it was like the shag uh and they it there was just um they didn't take me because I didn't have the look which actually looking back now I think you know that was kind of a good thing in a way because they you know they didn't waste my time or my money you know it was like they knew like my parents money whatever but anyway I just never gave up and then when I was 10 that's when I started my professional career believe it or not 10 years <laughs> old it was just because I didn't give up and my parents found a way to get it you know find out how to do it um, yeah. and by the way you know we had no idea what it was how to do it what the life was like it was just really them trusting and listening to me and you know just trusting that that was something that I was passionate about Mm. and um you know we got taken for a ride the beginning you know people said oh pay us and we'll give you you know auditions and you don't do that nest you know so people who are listening you don't fall for that yeah and I started with modeling and I did that for two years and it wasn't like I wanted to be a model it was the only way I, I guess I found a way in Okay. You know, I mean, or they said, okay, well, modeling agency said, we'll take you on. So I did that. And I, I learned a lot at, at, you know, I think at 10 years old to be able to learn to 
stand still and to, you know, not move is a huge deal. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I started uh, doing commercials uh, because I wasn't growing. So I started, okay, well, I, I, I'm 5'2", so it was like, okay, well, can't do modeling, so much for that. And uh, I started doing commercials and voiceovers and, oh gosh, I, and with modeling, I did fashion shows and catalog work and I did hand modeling and, uh, you know, I just did so many aspects of the entertainment business. I mean, the business of that. And, uh, yeah. and then I wound up doing a play in the, in the McCarter Theater in New Jersey um, when I was 15. And that was a very big deal because the, I, it was a small group of actors, but they were adults. Mm. And I got to perform with Joe Beth Williams, who was in Poltergeist. She played oh, the mom awesome. in Poltergeist. Yeah. Um, but at the time she had not done it. So she was a, a theater actress, you know, so mm. uh, she played my sister actually. And there was, the, and the woman who played my mother and I forgot her name, but she was actually the, one of the first ghosts you see in the original Ghostbusters. When the oh, movie awesome. comes on and you see that first ghost come in, uh, that woman, she played my mom. So anyway, awesome. uh, so I, I did this uh, Thornton Wilder play and that was amazing. And then I wound up doing a soap opera as the world turns when I was 17. So um, <laughs> I had like a lot of work experience prior to getting my first film, which I got at the age of 19. I got yeah. my first feature film role, basically. Oh. Oh yeah, which was uh, the last American Virgin, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it was, <laughs> and uh, I, I was 19, and I remember I was actually I went to college. I, I didn't major in theater, um, hmm. but I I majored actually in biochemistry. I really liked science. I was oh, awesome. always an inquisitive person. Like I always felt like well, if you're going to go to school, do it in something that you can't pay for it outside of school. Do you know what yeah. I said? Like, if you're going to get an education, do it in something that, and, and by the way, my parents couldn't care less if I went to college or not. It was me. I, because I, they were immigrants, I was kind of the person who was like, well, I want to take advantage of being in America. And there's, you know, and everybody goes to college. What is that experience like? And I knew as an actress, I was going to be playing college people. So, I mean, I saved all my money for college and I paid for college. And I mean, oh, I yeah. thumbs out. It's like insane, but yeah. you know, I was just kind of that kind of kid. So I, um, I went to my chemistry class and the day of my chemistry class was the last American Virgin audition. And I remember telling my agent, I don't want to go for anything. My, you know, education's more important. I got to take my test, you know, I'm, you know, I'm like, uh, you know, I'm in school and, you know, I mean, I went on auditions. I was living in New York auditioning, but yeah. that day it was like, no, I'm going to take this test. And uh, when I took a look at the test, I realized I had a better chance of getting in a feature film than I did, you know, passing the test. <laughs> So that is how it happened. So I, I uh, wound up going for uh, go rushing uptown to, uh, you mean NYU's in New York. So mm. um, I took like a bus and a train and like a train, a subway. I get uptown and I meet the producers and they said, oh, we'd like you to come to, we're going to fly you to Los Angeles and the next week and audition you for the film. Are you going to meet the director? And um, I, I had I had not met the director. He had just left right before I got there on the plane back to LA. Yeah. Uh, the producers, Menachem and Yoram Golem and Globus, they said, no, we'd like you to come and screen test. So, um, but the reason why was because I had let my hair go curly. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so I'd let my hair go curly. The one thing that didn't let me get into the business originally in my career then became yeah. my calling card. And um, I actually wrote a book about it. Um, it's called The Excellent Curls of the Last American French Exchange, Babe of the 80s. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> so if you're interested, it's on, um, if you're a big Last American Virgin fan, that yeah. is definitely the book to get. And it's on um, Amazon. You can find it anywhere now. Barnes and Noble. Um, awesome. I'll definitely put a link in the description of this episode from uh, at least the Amazon link. So that way people, if they want to snag it, it's like, a, you know, just a click away or whatever on their phones. And stuff, cool. So. That'd be great. It's it's a, a, it's just what's really cool about it is, you know, no one's ever I, I write my own books and mm. the, the pictures, you know, can't find anywhere. And the, the story is true and and you know it's it's um i would say primary source it's the first it's right from my experiences so i think that yeah. that's really amazing and i literally was the first actress to bring curly hair into the 80s i because there was i was looking for that curly haired actress to be an inspiration uh although i always bring up oh my goodness who is the girl in carrie the um beautiful actress um she married um amy irving amy okay. irving had gorgeous curly hair, but she wasn't like, it, she played the girl in Carrie, but it wasn't like her story. And it didn't hit, curly hair did not hit in the 70s. It yeah. hit in the 80s. So when I did Virgin, I was the first dream girl, say, you know, whatever, the character was like a dream girl who had dark curly hair. And then yeah. after that, it's like Julia Roberts and, you know, uh, Jennifer Beals and, you know, um, Jennifer um, Gray, you know, so yeah. really then became it. Yeah. So it's it's kind of amazing how actors help other actors in the, in the entertainment business. Well, and like you even said, uh, they told you, you no, know, as you know, when you were younger with the curly hair and everything, and uh, then to turn around in the 90s, there was like a bunch of curly haired, you know, you know, young actresses that were like real popular. Like, you know, the movie Curly Sue was like a big deal and everything like that. I think that was, wasn't that early 90s or like late, it might've been late 80s, but I think it was early uh, 90s. Maybe 90s but still yeah. yeah well yeah yeah I don't know I have to check it out but still it was yeah it's it was like opening the door and and truly what it was is it sort of allowed um ethnicity to be yeah. attractive and to be beautiful and I think that was that was the biggest thing because honestly the, the the thing that was the biggest shocker for me was in the 70s curly hair was the pariah it was like it was like the girl you didn't date or the girl who was the frumpy one or the girl the girl with i mean even jessica uh park uh, just sarah jessica parker yeah uh, she i think in the i don't know when her, her series was square pegs but she played sort of the unattractive girl you know mm. and then ultimately the, her curls became beautiful and again she was seen as the hot girl you know but um yeah. You know, I think what it, it shows is that, and, and even, you know, today, every generation has its voice and every generation has its version of what is attractive. But the truth is, and the most important thing is that if you don't have that look, don't think that that's unattractive. It's yeah. just not what's popular. And so I think that's what I really have to say about today, which I could be wrong, but I do feel it because I've lived since you know I've been around since you know the 70s and 80s is yeah. that today any style is pretty like you could have curly hair you can have straight hair uh, you know blonde dark you can have you know any look and it can be considered beautiful and I think it really that's incredibly important uh, for any girl to understand or guy to understand that you know you real beauty I swear to you real beauty is confidence in yeah. your own beauty. that really is that's the truth so if you could have i mean that's why models rock there's so many models who i think I, i've never really met a model who thought that she was gorgeous 
Yeah. Most models think, oh, I'm too skinny or I got my weird face or a weird nose or weird. They all, there's, everybody's got an issue, right? Yeah. But even the most beautiful. So like, don't kid yourself. Like all these, you know, models think, oh, but they rock it with their confidence yeah. or they rock it with pretending they have confidence. And that's really important to understand for people who are not in the entertainment business that they they think oh these people are really confident no they're just really good actors okay <laughs> they're really good actors and they get paid for that so that's a good thing <laughs> i know exactly what you mean uh like you said it's awesome to live in a time where representation is actually happening you know like it could happen more of course but you know the fact that there's actually some out there like for instance uh you know in horror alone uh the new series that just came out them that's pretty much, you know, like entirely, you know, African-American based, you know, Lena Waithe is, you know, part of it with, uh, you know, it's like an all black cat. Well, it's not all black because, you know, of course, it's got the white families and stuff. And it takes place back in the 50s. And it's just, you know, stuff like that, like you said, back in like the 70s and stuff like that. If uh, if even if they would have done something like that, it would have been like a lot of like lighter skinned black people or like it would have been like, you know, they would have looked for certain things. And now it's like you actually see representation. It's like they're actually you know, giving it to everybody, like you said, every skin tone, every, you know, when it comes to, you know, whether it's white, black, you know, Hispanic, everything, black, so. you know, and I'm gonna, and also, um, trans too, like, yeah. I mean, let's go for that, like, brilliant, like, I think the thing that is really, uh, wonderful that's happening in this country now that obviously wasn't happening when I was growing up is, okay, when, okay, and I can say this is because my parents were immigrants, they came to America, so when I was Growing up, I really was very conscious that America was a place where everything was accepted. Like yeah. I grew up thinking that we are a country that embraces all cultures and um, all people. And I also, I didn't realize that other countries didn't do that. I mean, as an American, I never, never occurred to me why. Yeah. You know, I thought everybody, care, you know, embraces everybody, right? And of course, uh, we've learned, obviously, that America doesn't embrace everything all the time, but we need to educate people to understand that it's a better world that we live in in America for everyone to be embraced mm. um, and given a chance. I think that that's really, really important. Um, and once, if we can actually have a, a world that we accept and we embrace different cultures, first of all, we're going to become a much richer country and much richer in our culture, much richer in our experiences and much richer in the things we create. Mm -hmm. um, and that's not to say that, you know, there might be, you know, we won't bring back certain things in the past. And, you know, I mean, that's what, you know, every generation does. They look at the past they look at the future and they like say, oh, what, what can I create? That's mine. But I think that if that can be the core of who we are, then our entertainment will be more enjoyable. Um, it's, all I can tell you is that a narrowness and a, and a lack of um, acceptance uh, creates a very tight and negative world. Yeah. You know? And I, I know that, you know, it's not easy for everyone. I mean, obviously, financially, sometimes, you know, like, you know, there are people who are like, you know, well, how come I can't get a job here and I want to do this. And but you know what, there's room, you just have to open your eyes and, and find your purpose. I think the, the key with people right now is they need to readjust their purpose in life. What are you giving to the world? Because the world needs help. Yeah. So if you figure out how to help the world, there's a job for you. Yeah. Okay. There just is.
And I, whatever that is, if it's, you know, it could be just being kind to people. It could be, you know, dressing them. It could be like being nice to them. It could be like, you know, policing and, you know, whatever, and firemen or whatever, like nursing, helping, you know, there's, mm. you just got to find what your purpose is. And I'd say that at, at any age, you know, yeah. my age, any, any age, you know, um, and then there's work in that area. So uh, we just have to calm the heck down and take a breather and be good to each other. So anyway, yeah. that's, that's just my, my perspective from all my lo- my life experiences. No, I definitely agree. If you do things that I love, it gets you a lot farther than if you do things that I hate for sure. Yeah. That's, but yeah. uh, So hopefully this new generation is, um, is bringing that into the forefront. Yeah. And, um, and I think that's going to affect entertainment as well. Um, you know, I wanted to share with you, you know, you talked about loving horror and yeah. I love horror too. And the reason why is um, that horror is everybody. I mean, let's talk about the world. Everybody experiences fear and yeah. horror is universal. Comedy is regional. You know, every play, every different country has a different sense of humor. Some is more out there, you know, some is more subtle. Some it's verbal, you know, and the reason why comedy is more regional is because it's usually verbal. Yeah. Uh, so you get, you know, you don't sometimes know, is that person joking or not? I, I don't know if I should laugh. Is it not okay? Uh, but that's why when you were in a movie theater and you were talking about being in the movie theater again and loving mm-hmm. that and missing that, usually when you watch a comedy in a theater, it's like, you know when to laugh because everybody else is laughing. So like, oh yeah, I can laugh at that because like, <laughs> my neighbor's laughing at it. So, yeah. um, but with horror, you know, everybody feels fear and because of that what horror does is it allows us to look at a situation and imagine what it would be like if we were in that situation how would we react sometimes it gives us really good advice some good cues and sometimes it makes us feel very smart like don't open the door (laughs) (laughs) he's gonna i can't believe he opened oh my god like didn't he hear that like um you know sometimes it gives us um it gives us a good idea or like it goes, oh, wow, I, I didn't think about that. So, um, but I also think horror is obviously fun and like there's fun things about it. Um, yeah. Uh, and I also believe, and I've said this before, it's a rite of passage for people to become um, from children to teens, from the, from the child age to the teenage years. When you see your first horror film, that is the time where it's sort of like you grow up. Because you yeah. have to watch that film and you have to know it's make-believe. Even if it scared the heck out of you, you have mm-hmm. to say, to yourself, wait, that was, I know, I'm having nightmares. I know, it's a movie, right? It's not real, right? But you have to sort of survive that emotional trauma. And then you kind of go to your friends and go, you know, sort of like a test. Oh, yeah, did you see that movie? Oh, yeah, I saw that movie. It wasn't scared. It didn't scare me, you know, like, you know, it's yeah. like, so it's I think it's sort of a it's a rite of passage to being a teenager you know you, you know there's scary stuff in being in growing up and it, it's sort of comforting to know that you can survive it yeah you know? I think you survive it through horror films you know that's how you can test it no definitely and that's uh like you said you go and tell your friends that you watch something and them not knowing that you had your face in the pillow the whole time but as long as they <laughs> haven't seen it you can just make some stuff up and it's all right <laughs> I'm one of those people that I grew up uh, terrified of horror movies. So I know exactly what you mean. It was like, uh, like, I feel like once I finally got over that lump and started watching some more horror, like, uh, even now, I feel like, you know, nobody's, you know, there's some people that are like, you know, I guess for lack of a better word, elitist and unaccepting or whatever. So like, if you haven't seen certain stuff, they're like, oh, you're not a real horror fan. But at the, at the same time, there is stuff where it's like, if, you know, it's just like, it's always nice when you're talking to a fellow horror fan and they're like, they've seen that one that you like, 
you grew up and you loved, you know what I mean? And they're like, they kind of solidify it for you, you know, like, oh no, I love that one too. You know what I mean? Like you think that like, it's one that you like, uh, it's a hidden gem to you. And then you, you meet that other horror fan and it's like, it's not as much of a hidden gem when you actually meet those other, you know, when you get into the community and start talking to other horror fans and stuff like that, it just feels like it to you. If you're just talking to casual, like movie fans all the time, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like Return of the Living Dead is like a really big one, for instance, that's like a, you know, to horror fans, that's a pretty, you know, just run of the mill horror movie, run, Return exactly. of the Living Dead. But and if you're not to horror, you probably have heard of it or seen yeah. it. Like there's some, there's right, there's more generic ones. But then when you start getting boutique, well, that's what's great about now with the internet, because yeah. now there's boutique horror. Like, you know, you can find your people. You can find the people who watch what you watch. Yeah. And appreciate it. And it's exciting. It's fast. I mean, I don't know, you were telling me, you know, your wife doesn't, is, you know, big on, let's say, horror, but mm. there are some things that you can bond on, yeah. uh, and that's cool, you know? I know, definitely, and she will watch uh, the occasional one, but it's, like, uh, mostly because I am such a big horror fan, not not at all because it's by choice. <laughs> right, <laughs> but, well, um, the other thing I was going to say is, um, you know, she, the horror, horror has gotten, um, has changed as well, even from the 80s, where, you know, obviously the first horror film that I ever saw and was the biggest influence on my career was The Exorcist. Oh, yeah. And before that, horror was, I mean, certainly when I was growing up, I have to say in the 80s, horror was not considered like an A movie. Like, it was always like, oh, you do horror. Like, it was just seen as like lower and not as, not like a great film. You couldn't have a great film and have it be horror really. Although I know like since then, Alfred Hitchcock and, you know, they brought, they brought a lot of films that were horror into more of a higher status, I guess, mm -hmm. um, over the years because they've started to appreciate the genre. Um, but now a lot of A-list films are horror because they realize the audience loves it and they realize, guess what? That's where all the drama is. Yeah, that's where all the, the the acting is in horror films. You know, the scared and the emotion. So it, it's fascinating to me how that genre has has it, has changed over the years, over the decades. Really, yeah. Decades. No, definitely one of the Memorial Day uh, weekend movies this year is A Quiet Place Two, and that's like that just goes to show how much has changed. You know, Memorial Day weekend movie. You know, twenty years ago would have had to have been like, well, it would have been more than twenty years ago, but like Independence Day or. You know, stuff like, you know, just like this big summer, like Fast and the Furious 6 would have been, like, you know what I mean? Those types of movies would have been your yeah. Memorial Day weekend films. And now it's like A Quiet Place 2 actually gets the spot. And I think like some other past ones have come out around that, you know, like I think like Get Out and Us and, you know, like some of those uh, other I like newer ones and stuff. So. Oh, no, definitely. Um, that one's excellent. So. And I don't know if the audience knows, but I mean, I, I, I mean, I was an actress. I started acting, you know, in films. My first horror film was Amityville 2, The Possession. Yes. And I did that when I was uh, 20. And I look like awesome. I'm 14. I was very lo young looking. Yeah. And I did Amityville. And that was the only the second Amityville they made. Okay, they did Amityville Horror. And then the next one was Amityville 2. It was so long ago that sequels were not a thing yet, which is yeah. hilarious. Like, people, like I, we were, when we did the film, thought, who's going to see part two? Because if you're going to see, if you have to choose, you're going to pick part one. We didn't realize that you could watch all of them in the future. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was like, oh, the future, you can watch anything you want, whenever you want. But at the time I did Amityville 2, you couldn't even rent a movie. You, yeah. I mean, I don't think you could, you certainly, you couldn't rent it and rewind it. Like that was not happening. You had to go to the theater. You had to pay extra money and you had yeah. to sit in the theater and watch it. So that's the first thing that, you know, it was much more difficult to do that. But from that film, um, there was a, 
a writer director who was 12 years old uh, at the time. It wasn't writing directing then, but he, uh, a, a gentleman, a young boy named Daniel Ferens, and Amityville 2 scared him so much that when he became an adult, he wrote a film called Amityville Murders. And he oh, yeah. contacted me. And in two, 2017, I did this Amityville Murders, which was based on the Amityville movie, which scared the heck out of him. Yeah. And it's the same story, basically, as Amityville 2, The Possession. Amityville 2 was a was was half of took place in the house and then the other half was sort of an exorcism film and then uh amityville murders was based on the true story of amityville and i just did that and so that's out now so and and so in one i play the daughter but in this one i play the mother but it's basically the same story so when yeah. you talk about horror to me like also so you can have amityville the possession was like a classic horror film it, it, it certainly is like it's got the makeup it's got the music it's got the you know it, it's terrifying it can give you nightmares it's yeah it's intense still, yeah. yeah still scary and amityville murders is a, like a docudrama so this is based on a true story and and the true story was butch defeo who just recently passed away i think a cup like within the last month yeah uh, he murdered his family in, in when he was 23 years old in uh, Amityville, Long Island. And that's where the story originated, where it really happened. But Amityville Horror didn't even touch that subject. Amityville Horror was just like, we've got a, horror, a haunted house and people are running from it. And we're basing it on the people who left the house. So Amityville's had a very strange connection because it's never been a clear idea of what happened. Do you know what I mean? Like, I know yeah. people go, oh, it's a haunted house, but in the truth, it was built on, uh, the house was built with weird feng shui. It's on Indian burial ground. It, it, there was, there have been several real deaths in that house, the, the murders in 1974, and then other deaths have happened in that house. Mm -hmm. uh, that weird energy. And then, you know, the Lutzes moved in and that was true too. They left. So anyway, but I just wanted to bring that up because, you know, horror again is, is there it is where it's gone through several decades. And yeah. Changed. No, that's awesome. I actually, see, I knew you'd be a perfect guest because you answered some of my questions for me before I even have to ask them. So I was actually <laughs> going to ask about how it was returning. And it seems like you really enjoyed, you know, returning to the series after all these years. And actually, like you said, getting to like the original story that you played was based on the DeFeos. And this time you actually get to be a DeFeo in this most recent one. So, oh, I cannot tell you what a gift that was to get that film. That was, yeah. Um, and actors don't usually get the, those kind of gifts in life you know they do a film and and then someone else winds up taking their part yeah. in the next one but wow what is it was he, I was so grateful to get that role and I really um and I had and I really you know I really love Amityville because I'm from Long Island so I oh, yeah. I have a soft spot in my heart for doing that film and the, the crazy part about filming that role was when I first did Amityville, I didn't have any weird experiences because when I played the daughter, I deflected all bad energy. Like I, I had to play the innocent. So anything weird happening, I didn't take it in. Yeah. But Amityville murders, I had several very strange kind of paranormal experiences that, and I'm not like somebody who's strong good positive energy that I don't think um bad energy comes to me very easily do you know what I mean like I think if there was a if there was a bad ghost or something I think I could make it smile I mean I don't yeah. know it's 
like I don't know. I just have a different way of dealing with things. Like but, Casper would be your ghost that shows up, not <laughs> like hang out. We'd have popcorn, and you know, and just I'd say, "What's it like?" And you know, <laughs> take me on an adventure. So or I try to help it, you know. Yeah. Um, but I find fascinating. This was amazing, and what was happening? All this weird stuff was happening to me. And by the way, the paranormal experience is on the Blu-ray of. Amityville Murders. If you get the Amityville Murders Blu-ray, mm-hmm. they did special features and they went around and interviewed all of us about the things that happened during the filming that was weird. And I didn't even know other people had weird experiences. When I saw the special features, I was like, oh, this is gold. I can't believe it because I told my stories, but then other people told theirs, which was, so it's, it's if you like the paranormal, I highly recommend you get the Blu-ray of oh. Amityville Murders. But one of the weird things that happened was, um, there was several things weird happened, but one of the things happened was I was having food at a, a, in a tent outside and when I was eating all of a sudden these pods or nuts or something fell into my lap and it was a very odd thing because right above me is a tent but there was like a crack maybe like only that big that something could have flown through and Mm. it only fell in my lap okay so it falls my lap and there's like I don't know five of them right and they're all in my lap literally I'm eating and I'm like it didn't fall on the table it just right there so I'm looking at it and as I look down, the pods start, and we're in the middle of it, like we're at lunch, okay? We're like, I'm in my costume. The pods start to open slowly, okay? And literally like, I'm like, again, I'm, I'm not a freaked out person, but I'm watching this and slowly it's opening and out of the pods come these giant shiny beetles. And what the, the beetles- fuck? Uh huh. <laughs> and the beetles are like the size they're they're like of a silver dollar. That's how big they were. Yeah. And they're dark and purplish and and okay. Now, meantime, it's not like they cracked open or they it's like they dropped and cracked or that they're all doing it at different times. They're all starting to open at the yeah. same time in my lap, and I'm chilling. Like that's one of the things I do. Like I go, okay, we're doing Amityville. I'm I'm gonna stay take a deep breath, just allow it to happen. It's it's just part of the weirdness of doing this energy. I'm just good. Cause I was much more connected to my environment and the people I was working with when I did the film, I had to be very open cause I'm playing the mom, you know, I yeah. had to be very vulnerable and connected, you know, it's just a different energy. Those things open and literally they one at a time start to fly off. And I mean, okay. I mean, I mean, I'm sorry, but like so weird. And this was part of like, the idea of like the flies in the film, you know, like the yeah. bugs, and, but these were bigger. And I literally, A, I've never, I mean, one, I've never seen bugs that big. Two, I've never seen bugs, like they didn't bite me or anything, but they flew off. It was literally like, I don't know if you've ever seen like those giant bees or something. And it's not like I live, it's not like I was in, um, you know, the South where maybe yeah. those are giant bugs. I'm in LA. I mean, it's Los Angeles. We, I've never even seen these kind of bugs. LA, for, for its, most of the time, doesn't even have bugs. You know? yeah. so, anyway, so there's an example of the strangeness. That's just one thing that happened. And it was, but I just, some when that happened, I just calmed down even more. Yeah. And I, like you know what this is part of the paranormal experience i'm just gonna let it go and let it be and for whatever reason this weirdness had to come into me and and pass through so anyway just sometimes there's weird stuff that happens yeah you gotta just let it go so 
That's crazy. I think uh, my reaction would have been, uh, let me get one more bite of this food and then I'm going to react and get the shit off me. <laughs> then probably would have thrown the bugs on them. Literally, people right now, man, they were just staring at like the, everyone was frozen because they didn't know if it, I mean, we didn't know if the bugs were going to bite me. I didn't know. No one knew where they were. It was yeah. very odd. And they were, they flew slow. It was really, anyway. So if you ever have an experience like that, just take a deep breath, stay calm let it go through and the bugs will find their way. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> yes. So I think the next film you did, you know, you did a couple of TV films, you know, like Deadly Lessons and stuff like that, which was like kind of a little slasher film. And, but then you did Better Off Dead. Uh, I just wanted to ask, you know, of course, being a horror podcast, we don't have to linger on that one too long, but you know, how was it playing a French character? You know, that was that your first time playing a foreign character? Okay. So I did Better Off Dead actually after I did a, I did a film right before Better Off Dead where I actually played another French character. Okay. So I had gotten my confidence up and I, I, I get that film actually was the first time I ever did a lot of dialects. Mm. Um, and so when I wound up going for Better Off Dead, and by the way, I'm writing a new book about okay. Better Off Dead right now. Hell yeah. And, oh, it's incredible. It's so exciting. Um, so you're going to hear a lot of the details um, in that book, mm. but I'm writing it and I'm hoping to get it out this year. I wasn't I didn't want to get it out last year because the year was so crazy and sad and I just didn't want it associated with yeah. last year's world. So I, I, this one has interviews with some of the other people in the film. I've got interviews with the director. Um, awesome. And uh, so anyway, but based on that, what, what happened with Better Off Dead was I actually, I think they wanted to see me for other roles. And when I read that script, I was like, oh no, I, I want to play Monique. I, I beelined for that. I was like, no, no, no. And the same thing happened with Susie Putterman in Terrorvision. Yeah. Um, in a sense that there's a feeling sometimes as an actor, when you read a script, you go, oh, that's my, that's my part. That's that's me. Now, whether they believe that or not, whether someone sees you as that character is you know up to chance, you never know. But when I went into the audition to meet Savage, I was determined to have him let me read for Monique yeah. because I knew that I knew that I could play her I just knew who she was oh, yeah. and uh, so um the rest is history is fantastic <laughs> I was very happy he agreed with me so <laughs> that's awesome very so, uh, nice. you said you kind of did the same thing with Susie Putterman was that the next film that you did after Better Off Dead wasn't uh it was Terrorvision or did you do anything yeah. in between actually as far as like filming and stuff like that yes I think I did Terrorvision next and then I did Bill and Ted's, I think. So yeah. I think, um, although I think they came out in different times. Um, I think did I think Terrorvision came out in 1986, and I did Better Off Dead in 1985. Yeah. And Better Off uh, Terrorvision, uh, like I got to play a punk rocker, and she <laughs> was like so cool. And she was like I, the whole thing with her was I saw her as um, first of all the film is an 80s parody. But it was yeah. made in the 80s, so nobody got that it was a parody in the 80s because everyone was still in the 80s. So, like, people were like, why is this funny? I like to wear workout clothes and, uh, you know, you know, I like heavy metal and whatever it was that was, you know, 80s popular. Um, yeah. But we, everybody in the 80s, we had already, like, the, you know, all the actors knew that, that it was a parody. Um, and so what happened was we really, you know, it was like a live action cartoon, just like Better Off Dead was. You know, a lot yeah. of people looked at the films and went, oh my goodness, so overacted. But the truth is that they're stylized. And those films uh, were created with the idea of a live action cartoon, people coming to life playing cartoon characters. Um, yeah. And Susie Putterman was 
a, a dream because she was a character, first of all, that I got to have the Valley voice, like, oh my God, like, that's totally like awesome. And like, you know, I'm going to make you take your pills and like, you know, it's just sort of a, a vivacious, upbeat, kind of like a clueless sort of a voice kind of um, not, I wouldn't say not intelligent, but very, um, she's just like a, a teenager more of a teenager young kind of voice. Yeah. And, and then the look though was punk rocker, like, you know, with punk clothes. And I was an actress who, if you saw me on the street there, you'd never ever see me as a punk. You'd never ever had cast me as a punk. So what I really was excited was about, I've always wanted to play a punk and I've always wanted, I love, you know, punk style. And I like the liveliness and I like the um, energy of punk music yeah. um, and so I've just always been kind of like I would love to play that character and oh, yeah. it was it's just, just such a fun character to play and then while we were doing it they decided okay well let's try the hair and we just sort of experimented and really on the set they created the Cindy Lauper look yeah. and I wore like a couple of wigs and the makeup and uh, I think originally they had thought of having Belinda Carlisle play the part Mm -hmm. It's not funny, but um, I'm just so glad that, you know, uh, Ted Nicolau wound up hiring me to play it. I just had a blast. Yeah. It was great. And the no. cast was great. Mary Warnov and Garrett Graham and um, Jonathan Grice. I loved working with him. He's a doll and he's so funny. We had a great time. Hell yeah. I was about to ask, which I've heard that uh, the, you know, from uh, other stuff that I've, you know, watched and, you know, heard reviews of and stuff, people have said that you claim that Amityville 2 was a fun set as well. So I know that the film was more like tense and, you know, you know, where this one was a lot more fun. Was there any differences in, you know, filming the two horror films, you know, with one being more tense and all that and one being like a practical effects, you know, fun. Plus this one was also done by Charles Band and that team. So it's, of course, a team that kind of travels together type deal a lot yeah. so what was fun about Amityville was that the everybody made everybody feel very comfortable mm. and um everyone is always you know talk about Burt Young and like oh he's like you know what was it like to work with him is he scary you know and he just was the sweetest guy so what when I say it was fun what I meant was that the people were genuine and nice and we had um we just got along really well mm. uh but the tone of the film and the director and the tone of when he worked was definitely much more uh, somber, you know, uh, because the director sets the tone for the actors. So yeah. when the director is like, okay, shh, quiet on set. And like, you know, he speaks more in a whisper and he tries to, you know, and he, he sets the tone and he's like, when he takes control of a set, I know at least with Damiana Damiani, people really respected him and listened to him. He, he took control of that set like a commander you know, in the sense, like he really was like people listened um, and they respected him in the way like, okay, well, you know, if he says it now, everyone's going to listen. It wasn't a jovial, upbeat set. Whereas, yeah. you know, Terravision had a more of, you know, okay, let's shoot this and, you know, get the monster. I put the gel on the monster. And you know, <laughs> so there was more of a, I would say more of a community and a, it, there was a, definitely more of a fun energy doing Terravision on set uh, with Ted than there was with Amityville because it was obviously there was some serious, you know, areas as well that we had to deal with. Yeah. So there were moments certainly that were much more, you know, serious and grounded but what made it possible was that the actors were really nice and they were really, oh, yeah. they were professional i have to say what makes what really is exciting is 
this is what's great. And I'm sure you know what I mean when I say this. It's like when you find people who are at the top of their game and the top of their work and you find you're at the top of your work and you meet somebody else who's at the top of their work, it's very exciting to work yeah. together because you don't have to explain why you're concentrating and why you're focusing and why you're maybe not taking a break because you really want to make this happen. It's, it's because you're, everybody's working really hard to make something great. And yeah. that's the kind of thing that I really enjoy when I work with people is that if, if everyone's at the top of their game, it's pretty exciting. It's really great because what you can't do is work with people who are like, I don't know, like, or like, I'm having a problem with my lines or like, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, I can't do this right now. Like, you know, like, no, just yeah. let's, you know, let's not make excuses. Let's make it happen. Let's make some magic happen. So that's kind of where I'm at with my, with performing and working with people. Yeah. I like people who, I like the, I like people who are filmmakers. I like people who are inspired by their dreams and they go after them. Yeah. And I like people, and I, that's why I like really, I like young filmmakers and I like people who are passionate about their projects, but they also have to learn not to be self. Um, uh, one of the biggest things with uh, a lot of people who are artists is they can be very uh, self-harming, you know, like people get really like hard on themselves. Yeah. And they have to understand that creativity is, does not, is not born out of uh, self-loathing. In fact, what it is, is it's born out of self uh, care. Yeah. Take care of yourself really well to be in the entertainment business because you have to last. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If you don't do that, then you're, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's a big fallacy. To be, to be excellent, to be at the top of what you're doing requires focus as opposed to um, self-abuse. And I'm just putting that out there because I know that there's a lot of people who are very creative and for some reason they, you know, they badger themselves. Yeah. You need to hear that voice saying, you know what? Yeah, I made a mistake. And now I'm going to figure it out. Yeah. Confidence is one of the main keys to success for sure. Like, I know that sounds like an old, you know, saying you'd see on a teacher's uh, wall with a cat hanging from a thing or whatever, but it's definitely true. You know, uh, without that confidence, you know, like you said, you'll set yourself back with just thoughts that really wouldn't even set you back if you didn't waste time thinking about them. So, yeah. Well, I would say you have a choice. Are you going towards the cliff or away from the cliff? Yeah. And, like it doesn't matter how fast you go, but the direction matters. Yeah. So, and I'm not saying, you know, you, it's not like about it being easy, but you, you, and part of that I think is actually knowing who you are. You have to know what gets you to move forward, what gets you, what makes you back off and you have to protect yourself, take care of yourself. Um, don't surround yourself with negative energy, negative yeah. people, because you know what? It takes a lot of energy to get yourself in a positive head. Yeah. It's not a given. And I'm, I'm a, I'm a very, um, you, people might think, oh, I'm a very upbeat person. But it's, it's a thoughtful upbeat. It's a choice. It's yeah. Not, not just a given. My, you know, life isn't always full of wonderful things. So it's, I feel, uh, I'll tell you what will make you, uh, for people who are listening, what makes up happiness is being grateful. To think about what you are grateful for. Because if you are grateful for things, you will be happy. Yeah. you are coming from a place of like, wow, like I, I am in a room and there's like, there's no apocalypse right here. Uh, I'm... Uh, you know, I can go and get a drink of water. I can go get something to eat. Like, I mean, literally I have a roof over my head. Like, that's just not a given. So I, I never took that for granted. And maybe that's why I've lasted so long. <laughs> yeah. Like you said, put out the positive and it comes back to you. I think uh, uh, Danny Trejo just recently put out a, a documentary called like the first, you know, uh, inmate number one or whatever about his career. You know how he always played the inmates or whatever. But he yeah. said that 
his like uh, one of the lines that really gripped me from it was that he said that he got where he was today by doing good for others and like always just doing the right thing. What he always felt was truly right. You know, so it's like he didn't ever like do anything as far as, you know, be, like you said, beating himself up over like his past mistakes and stuff like that. He just realized that by doing good and putting out that positivity that it would come back to him and look at him now. So he's on the yeah. mass Singer. <laughs> so, spoiler yeah. alert. So. He has that energy. He is absolutely right. And he is. Yeah. And there's people who there's, you know, I really find that p- successful people, they get it. And some people might think of this in a religious way. It's not even necessarily that it's about, it's about giving, giving goodness to others, which is why, mm-hmm. like, honestly, like, I mean, I do a lot of podcasts and people like might be like, why does she do all these podcasts? It's seriously, it's, I, I feel like if I give good energy to people, maybe at some point somewhere in the world, it will make somebody have a better day, have a better life, you know, and, you know, just keep putting that out there. I think at some point it might touch different people and that's the point. Yeah. No, you're awesome for doing all these podcasts. I've personally appreciated, obviously, because you're on my podcast. So. <laughs> but, well, hell yeah. And uh, like you said, uh, it does take, you know, everybody on the, like, if it's a team effort sport, it takes everybody, you know, like uh, with TerraVision, that's a movie, especially that being such a bonkers idea and being so like a, such a parody at the time, it's like, if everybody wasn't on board with what you guys were doing, it definitely would have fell apart. But I think that's what makes it work so well. It's like you said, everybody from the entire cast to the entire crew, you know, everybody was on the same page of what. Everybody has to get it. You know, yeah. you all have to find it funny. You all have to understand it. Um, I think that's part of also casting. You know, sometimes you have material and you're looking for people who understand your material, who get it. Yeah. Uh, and, and if somebody doesn't get it, they're going to bring it down. They're going to. I mean, honestly, like, I mean, how many, I'm sure there are people like, if you have like a sports team or if there's a play or any type of group thing, if there's one person, even at an office, you could have yeah. that one person who's just finding the problems. I tell you something, I work with, um, I work with kids and I teach them drama. And one of the things I teach them is, you know, we do a thing where obviously one of the main thing in acting, there's a role called yes. And, and mm-hmm. yes and is about taking what you have and going with it. So most people, if you ask them something, they'll say, you know, you do an exercise and you say, um, you know, what if we go and have a party? And if your answer is no, are we going to have a party? No, we're not going to have a party because you said no, we're done. That's it. The chances of having a party are no. But if you have, um, if you say, well, yes, but, okay, then it was like, oh yeah, we're going to have a party, but that means there's a problem. So that means a person will say yes to a party, but they're going to find a problem. Yeah. So, but how many people do you know that can say yes and, and then they add something, oh, I'll bring the chips or, and, you know, we're going to have a DJ, I'm going to get the DJ or they help. So in life, when you go to your job or when you go to, you know, when you're with your friends, how often do you add to it as opposed to finding the problem. We can always find problems. This is not unique. The nature, we've always been, human nature, you find problems, but can you find solutions? Yeah. And that is where the creative mind is really important. And that's why we need more yes and in the world, you know? And um, so I think it's, it's one of the things that I try to promote because it's something so simple and you could do it every day. Like you can ask yourself, wait a minute, why am I finding a problem with this? Can I find a solution? And maybe you can't find a solution exactly the way you want for that one minute, but that doesn't mean you can't find a solution. Yeah. It, I mean, I always say this to actors, like you may not be able to get that job when you want at that moment, but if you hang in there, yes, it will happen. Yes, it, it will absolutely happen. It's just that it's, 
I always say life doesn't happen when you want it. It happens when it needs you. So you just have to participate and put it out there. And eventually hmm. you will, you get, you'll get recognized. You'll get noticed. I mean, look at this, even for you, like you contacted me yeah, and you didn't know if I'd say yes or no, but you took the chance and yeah. therefore you had the opportunity. That was it. Like, Oh, okay. And I said, yes. So you never know. You know, that's the thing. Like you just, and it's, but you can't expect, right? You can't be like, oh, you know, yeah. Uh, because then you're coming from a need as opposed to giving. Then you have to go, well, if it doesn't work out, I'll find someone else. Now there's plenty of people that never, you know, respond. And I'm just like, okay, that's cool. You know, and I would still like, if they came to a convention, I'd still go. I wouldn't even mention the podcast to them. I'd say, oh my God, I'm so excited to meet you. And that'd be the end of that. And then uh, mm -hmm. same thing with like uh, musicians. Sometimes they straight up tell me, no, you know, I'm not a horror movie fan because that's like when I get do the musician part of it, that's what that is for is, you know, for them to come on and talk about their favorite horror movies. Yeah. So I, you know, I never take notes personal, especially because I'm like, there's going to be plenty of people that aren't horror movie fans or they just straight up don't have, like, I just got to know uh, from somebody because they didn't have, you know, their schedules just didn't line up or whatever. So it's like, I'll just, and then, just you ask somebody, you never realize maybe it's just a bad time for them. And, yeah. and what a generous thing for you to be able to go, you know what? That's okay. And you might ask them like a year from now, you never know. So, and maybe they'll be open to it. So it's, yeah. a, it's a hard thing to understand. And I think it takes um, maturity to realize that something may not happen and it might have nothing to do with you. <laughs> it yeah. It's just a funny thing. It could have nothing to do with you. People run out of money. They might not be able to be, you know, if somebody gets sick, there's, there's a billion excuses why people can't do things and you just can't take it to your um again take it to your uh what do they call it um when you're defensive um, about it or you yeah. can't take it personally no, i know exactly what you mean i, I agree 100 percent. it's like like you said it's like if every little thing that happens negative bothers you eventually like rejection pretty much is one thing that once you learn how to deal with rejection yeah. then uh you'll probably get more success in you know in that sense because you'll be able to move on from the rejection without looking back at it so much. And you'll be able to move forward without, you know, without like that constant, like, Oh, peeking over your shoulder at that rejection that no longer matters. It was a rejection. Move on to the you know, the possible future. Yeah. Either the possible yes, or even another rejection until you get to the next. Yes. You know, so. rejection is a test. And I've, I've said yeah. this uh, to students, rejection is the test. Can you hang in there? Are you strong enough? Can you do it? And yeah. if you know, if you see it as that you'll go, yeah. Yeah, that didn't, you know, I'm on to the next. I'm not going to let, let that get me down. That's not a thing. Yeah. Um, it is It is often a test, you know, where people or criticism is also the same thing. You might get criticized for something and it's testing you. How much do you want it? Do you, is it matter to you? If you're easily pushed away, well, then maybe it didn't matter to you as much. You know, yeah. You got to come to terms with that. So um, I have to say the most important thing about it is really getting to know who you are. And you know what? Sometimes it takes a lifetime. It takes a, a while to figure out who you are, what's important to you, who yeah. is important to you, you know? And once you figure that out, you're a happier person. Yeah. It's, I think sometimes not knowing is very confusing. And I remember that in the 20s. 20s is, is a kind of a hard time sometimes. Where am I? What do I do now? <laughs> do I get married? Do I, am I single? Do I want this relationship? Who am I having sex with? What's happening? <laughs> do I want a job? I don't want a job, right? <laughs> yeah. Now, then with the pandemic, everybody's scared to die. So like, oh, shit, now we got to speed up our lives. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> But uh, so pretty much after Terravision, your next film was uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, like you said, or, you know, your next, uh, you know, major film was 
that's something that when you were on set with, you know, all that, you know, there's so many, you know, brilliant minds in that movie from George oh. Carlin, rest in peace, you know, to Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter. Uh, was that something that when you were on set, you felt the magic of, you know, like, oh, this movie is definitely going to be something that, you know, in 30 years, people are still clamoring for the sequel that just came, you know, whatever. Not it, okay. So doing that film, we had no idea what would happen with that film, although we were very excited for it to come out. Yeah. Very. I mean, I remember Kimberly and I were like, you know, when's it coming out? When's it coming out? And then we didn't know they shelved it for a while. They almost didn't even release it. Um, it was a huge, oh my goodness. It was like this huge thing where they almost didn't release it at all. They thought it yeah. was, people thought it was terrible within the industry. This was an example of another like, oh, you know, eye rolling. I can't believe you want to put this, this film out, which again, it's like how, and I'm going to say that how wonderful was it to have that film during the pandemic yeah. in a time where we really needed something upbeat, you know? Yeah. Now, mind you, I haven't seen Bill and Ted's three. I haven't still haven't seen it, but that's for personal reasons. Um, not no, was... the film as a princess, but never mind. I, I do feel like the film it, the series is awesome. And I yeah. think it, it's been a, a wonderful thing uh, for kids. I mean, they can show it in school. It's, um, it's got a history background. In fact, I'm gonna show you something very cool, which I have. I, I, I saw this and I was like, I have to get this. Okay, hold on. So I was- now I'm excited. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was like, I couldn't believe it. Um, you know, with Bill and Ted's Face the Music, there was a lot of, you know, I mean, I knew that there was a lot of disappointment with the princesses not being in it. And um, so my biggest thing was like, oh, are they going to forget us now? Like, that's so sad. Like, just, I don't know. So, um, I mean, and especially because it wasn't like there were new princesses. It was the same roles, but with different girls. So that yeah. was insulting. They didn't do that to the guys. They didn't do that to the mom. They didn't do that to anybody except us. Yeah. So, but this is beyond cool. They actually have a Bill and Ted's game. Oh, hell yeah. And what's really cool, it look, I don't know if uh, the audience will be able to see this, but it's a phone booth. Mm -hmm. And what's really cool is they have in it Bill and Ted cards. And so I was remembered. Which oh, awesome. That's cool. So hell they yeah. did their four playing cards. There's my Ted. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and very cute so um oh, they yeah. made a game they made a book um and they remembered us which i think was really wonderful but there was no way we ever expected it to be as huge as it has been i mean i i was shocked i mean people now with a lot of the film work i've done bill and ted i think perhaps is one of the most popular films i've ever done it was actually my big commercial success yeah no i don't know many uh like i still to this day tell people you know party on dudes and stuff like that but and be excellent to each other and uh you know, like and do the little <laughs> shit like that. <laughs> but uh, the first one to me is definitely, uh, like you said, the whole franchise is, you know, it's, they're awesome. But uh, the that first one is just there's something so magical about it that, you know, I that's one of those movies I can't wait to show my kid when he's, you know, older and stuff like that. And it's just, you know, especially, you know, y'all's big scene where they come to save the princesses. That's like one of my favorite parts of the whole movie. <laughs> right. Like, oh, that's nice. See, that's I, I love that. And um, what what was interesting for me is I thought that the new one, by the way, and I know the other princess, I don't know the the face the music new women, but I do know um, the the actress who was uh, Annette, who was in the second film. Mm, bogus um, journey yeah yeah she uh i know her and she's a sweetheart and she's really nice but um 
I thought that this, the new one was going to really be about the girls. Yeah. And because it was about Bill and Ted still, I'm thinking that maybe they'll do a Bill and Ted's four at some point and those girls will be, they will be the main featured girls. Oh. Because I, for some reason, I really thought like when it first came out and they had the idea of Bill and Ted uh, face the music, I thought, oh, this is brilliant. They've really come talk about like accepting the world and the new generation. And I thought, oh, this is great that now Bill and Ted uh, are Billy and Thea and that's gonna be the new Bill and Ted, you know? Yeah. And then I thought, ooh, they're gonna meet princes. You know, like I was just all into the whole, you know, shift of, you know, the uh, the gender thing. Yeah. You know, like in the meet, meet princes and all that stuff. That would've been very fun. But, you know, who knows? I think maybe in the future, they, I, I wouldn't put it past that they're gonna keep making more Bill and Ted. So. Uh, maybe when you uh, when your child gets a little bit older, uh, when Ari gets older, maybe he'll be able to uh, have his own version of Bill and Ted's. <laughs> It'll be sure. fun. Very awesome. No, I know exactly what you mean. That's like, uh, you know, for instance, like uh, me being 29, a lot of people hate on Jason X. But to me, I grew up on Jason X because it came out when I was, you know what I mean? So it'd be like yeah. somebody, you know, like, for instance, somebody who's like six or seven now when Face the Music came out, that might be their excellent adventure. So oh, sure. Yeah, that's what it is. You know, it's, yeah. it's their version. And um, I think that's great. I think that's totally excellent, personally. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Elizabeth. <laughs> no, and then uh, my question after that was about the Amityville murders, but you already pretty much talked about that. Is there anything else you want to mention about the Amityville mur murders before I ask you about, you know, like what you have coming up, you know, as far as, uh, you know, films, and then if you want to, you know, mention your book again as well? Yeah. So, um, well, Amityville murders, I love the film. I hope people watch it. Mm. Um, I've heard, it's gotten some great reviews and it's, uh, so I would just want to say it's not a classic horror, but it's really gripping and very exciting uh, to watch. Also, I have another film that I did that is a boutique kind of um, indie film. I, and I'm, I think if, if your audience loves uh, horror, um, this would be very cool. They might be familiar with the name Fred Vogel. Uh, okay. Fred Vogel is the director, uh, writer of this piece that I did called The Final Interview. Oh yeah. And you can only get this movie, uh, it's not on anything, but you have to go to thefinalinterview.com. I think that's where it is. But okay. Uh, it's called The Final Interview, and it is a, the movie is sort of shot like a play. It's like three, basically three people in the movie, kind of, but it is about a serial murderer who is uh, about to be executed hell yeah. in, in a couple of hours. I mean, not hell yeah. <laughs> I play a news director from the 80s, and my ex-husband is interviewing him in his last hour of being alive. And it's sort of like a alpha male experience and somebody dies and I'm not gonna tell you who, but literally this film, you can't leave. You can't even, you cannot go up, go to the bathroom. Literally, I mean, like uh, when we saw it in the theater, not a pin dropped because it's done in a way that's very different than a lot of films. It's not gratuitous. It's like, you have to listen really carefully. And so I, I found it interesting. I thought it would be like really good for older audience, but I found even younger audiences love it even more because it's yeah. not something to expect. Um, it is gripping. It's, there's parts of it that are kind of funny, but it's, it's really great. So I oh, yeah. highly recommend, and it's won an award already. It's won a couple of awards, film awards. Um, and Granger Hines plays my husband, who's amazing. And uh, Damien, and I can never say his last name, but you'll see him. He's got a beautiful, scary look, and he's a beautiful actor. He's amazing. Oh, so, yeah. so you can get that. And then um, 
I have a movie that's coming out on the 20th of this month, I think, 420, called <laughs> High Holiday. Perfect timing. <laughs> Perfect timing. Um, and it's hilarious. And it's with Tom Arnold, Jennifer Tilly, who was in Chucky movies. Yes, hell yeah. And, and, Which I'm a huge Tom Arnold fan because of that movie, Big Bully, that he did with Rick Moranis. Uh, yeah. I was a huge fan of that movie growing up for some reason. It was just, it was one that I like found on a movie channel and I just loved it. So. Oh, you'll love it. Well, he's great in this. He's really great. The trailer's out right now. Um, I have a cameo in the movie, but um, Cloris Leachman is also in it. She just passed away. But Rest in peace. Such a cool idea. Fun movie. Um, it's kind of, it's got a, like a political thing going on, but it's also like, uh, you'll see, you just, just check out the, uh, the trailer. It's really funny. It actually is a, Christmas movie. It was supposed to actually come out at Christmas, but 420 really works for this movie. So just so uh, you'll you'll really enjoy it. So that's really fun. Oh, and yeah. um, I have a movie now. This is the cool part. I have a movie. I can't talk about it yet, but it's horror. It's scary. It's more scary than horror. You will when you hear about it, you will know. You will be familiar with it, and it's going to be really huge. And it's in the um when you listen you hear it you're going to be like oh i want to see that movie based on the topic oh, and, yeah. but the only thing i can tell you which is really cool is that i'm i have a cameo but my daughter is actually acting in it she's awesome. a big part and um i'm so excited because it's one of the first movies we've ever done a horror film we've never done together yeah so and this is actually her first horror she has uh, done she actually does comedy Mm. And her, uh, her name is Olivia De Laurentiis. Um, okay. And she actually is on, um, you can check her out on TikTok. Uh, she is part of a thing called Sid and Olivia. Mm. Um, or you could check out her show on uh, Snapchat, which is called Apocalypse Goals. And so Olivia is, she looks like me. She, she probably talks like me. <laughs> and so I highly recommend you check out her stuff, but also like she's, she usually does comedy, but this is going to be great because you're going to see her in her first drama. So, oh yeah. Very filmed. So yeah. So you'll you're getting a heads up on that. Awesome. Maybe once that comes out, I'll have you all both on together, and y'all could both talk about it, mother and daughter. Talk talk about your experience on the horror movie together for the first time. Oh yeah. No. Absolutely. Thank you so much for asking because it is very special, and it was a special experience for us. Yeah. Uh, really cool. So. And I do want to comment and say that even though I jumped from Bill and Ted to Amityville Murders, you have definitely not stopped working constantly. It's just this being a horror podcast, of course, that's why. But you have. Uh, definitely been killing it all these years that's i will say that you're constantly Thank doing you. something that's for sure. oh, I, yeah. I hope that i hope that it encourages you know when i was little i always dreamt of being an actress because i wanted to i always wanted to act my whole life i'm like why do you have to stop acting yeah. why and uh so far so good i mean it makes me really uh happy for other actresses to see yes you can act and you know as you get older um it is possible and who knows the roles that i'll play in the future i i'm excited i i put out there to people that i've wanted to do a vampire movie hell yeah um, I, oh and i have another movie one more oh my goodness uh, i have a movie called are you ready for this play mm -hmm. zombies hell yeah play zombies yes <laughs> so I have always wanted to do a zombie movie. And a director contacted me and said, his name is Jake Jolly. He said, I would love for you to be in this film. We figured out how to do it. I'm in this movie. I have a little cameo in it, but I, I mean, it's, it's who would not want to be in a movie called, you know, Clay Zombies, seriously. I mean, it's my passion, you know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> I love movies like that. I personally like to see, uh, you know, it's got, you know, clay moving and just, and zombies and just, it's going to be great. So um, oh, yeah. I'm excited to 
safety in it. And uh, uh, so, yeah, so there's a lot of uh, different kinds of horror coming out. I've got real classic scary horror. I've got like fun horror and yeah. um, and comedy. So, yeah, high holiday. Yes, and my book. So remember, Better Off Dead, if you're a fan, stay connected with me on my social media, uh, Diane Franklin 80 on Twitter and actress Diane Franklin on Instagram. And then also um, on Facebook, if you go to my Diane Franklin Facebook, you're, it's, I have like 600 people waiting for me on Facebook to go in. So go to Diane Franklin fans under group. You got to look under the group thing. And it's, it's a black and two black and white pictures from my books. Okay. That's me also. So Facebook is like, you know, they won't let me open another site. So I was like, okay, fine. We'll just do a group. And uh, so if you want to follow me there, I post things there and I post different things everywhere because I like to make it fun and interesting. I do posts of nostalgia, old things I've done, new things. I post my son and my, my son's a musician. I post his stuff, my daughter's stuff. So we oh, get yeah. a wide variety. Oh yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean though with Facebook. It's like once you hit a certain amount of friends that like won't let you accept requests. So it's like, you're just locked out of accepting people pretty much. So. Yeah. And, it's, it was, and then like, it's, it's super bizarre. I don't know. The whole thing is, I don't know. And then, you know, like sometimes people you know, I think for a while when people were trying to get used to Facebook, they were like saying weird things. And I feel like people have like gotten used to it. And no, no, I don't say stuff anymore or I'm out, you know, they get. Yeah. So my Facebook friends are great. You know? Oh, yeah. So good. Yeah. That's awesome to hear because there is a lot of negativity out there. But like you said, it's so easy to just a quick block that a lot of people eventually start to learn to leave people alone. Like, uh, for instance, uh, John Dugan, you know, from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, he was in the first one. He played the grandfather. He's I'm friends with him on Facebook and he gets so much like negative comments because he'll post like his political views and stuff, but he's not really being negative. He's just posting, you know, like he'll just post like he'll share about a vaccine and it'll be like such negative comments uh, and they'll be so hateful. It's and it's like, thing. yeah, yeah. But people have gone as far as like threatening his wife through messages. And it's like, oh my gosh, I'm like, this like, poor old man is just trying to be on Facebook. Like, and don't follow him, people. Like if you don't, if you don't agree, just go, don't follow, you know, like yeah. that's, I think that's really, you know, where we have to, you know, your view isn't, doesn't have to be everyone else's view. And I mean, I do feel that everyone should get vaccinated, but that's just because I don't want to die. Yeah. I don't want you to die. So no, that's my plan is to get vaccinated this uh, next week. They just sent an email out saying that like uh, they're coming through, like and where they'll be this next week and stuff. So I'm planning on going. So hopefully good. soon. So. Good. Yeah. I mean, look, we don't know what it does. We don't know. But why not? You know, why take the chance? You know, yeah. don't don't take the chance. And I, I looked at it at a certain point, like uh, like a flu shot. You know, it was yeah. like before we knew what the flu shot was. And it's funny, I will say this with the flu, I didn't get the flu shot for years. And I was like, oh, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I, because I, I didn't want to have that feeling when you get the flu shot, you get a little sick. And I was like, oh. So what happens? I get the flu. Yeah. And it was the worst. It was the worst. And I said, you know what? I'm getting the flu shot every year now. <laughs> so <laughs> really true. It's like once I got, I'm like, mm, sorry, didn't want to. <laughs> not messing with that so I, I i say that with covid let's not take a chance yeah i never uh, got the flu shot myself and then like of course like the last i think like the last year or two i had the flu but uh like i think one, actually once during quarantine i had like the flu and not covid and then like one the year before i had it but i still never got the flu shot i probably should going forward but i definitely get the vaccine though like uh you said i'm ready just to get back to some normalcy and have some hope going forward so if that's something that does it. I'll yeah. Doesn't bother me at all just to go do it. Thank you. Know. you. <laughs> yes, me. Anyway. But well, thank you so much for coming on the show. And it was uh so awesome to meet you. I'll make sure to put in the description, of course, you know, uh 
the uh the link to the movie since it's you know only on that one uh the last interview is it the last interview or the final interview the final interview i let me see if i can find where the find out exactly where the where to go to get it because you have to buy it from fred vogel but it is Mm. worth it but look um this is the final interview what it looks like oh hell yeah if you buy this this is what it is so it's super cool so and then i'm in the back going there i am right So um, you open it up and there's these, they've got the feature and the extras and then the soundtrack. And then you get this and then the DV Blu-ray, the extras, the features. I'm thinking, yeah, this is a, is this a Blu-ray? I think it's three disc collector's edition. Well, I don't know if it is Blu-ray, whatever. Anyway, and then they have this, which is really cool. It's the evidence and they, you get these um, cards that are signed by everybody and their collector's items. That's like so awesome. Fred and all this stuff. So I just I just think they're like amazing. It's such a great, it's really, really nicely done. And it's a limited edition. So yeah. it's a collector's item. So if you love horror and it's a boutique thing, like that's, this is a no brainer. Yeah, now I'll definitely find the link and put it in the description. I'll definitely be scooping myself. So I'll be finding it for sure. So. Great, all right, awesome. Yes, ma'am. No, and then I'll put the description. Uh, I'll also put the link for your first book as well. And uh, I'll go find it on Amazon and put that as well. But thank you. Yeah, I have two books. I have the right now, I have the excellent adventures of the last American French exchange babe of the 80s. That is um, about my career in general. Mm. What I've done. If you don't know who I am, then that's the great the book to get. And then the second one is about being the the curls. And if, so if the second one's really if you're a Last American Virgin fan. Yeah. And this new book will be um, out this year, and this will be for the Better Off Dead fans. So. Hell yeah! And I can't wait to check it out. Thank you. You rule. Thank you so much. It was awesome meeting you, and I hopefully I'll get to meet you at Scares the Cares because I'll be going to that up in Williamsburg, Virginia this year. And I. Well, I was gonna say, where are you? Where do you live? I'm in North Carolina. How do yeah. you like here? Uh, it's pretty nice. I'm about an hour away from the Outer Banks. So I'm like in a quiet kind of town, but uh, uh-huh. it's nice to be like an hour away from Virginia Beach where it can get, you know, a little popular at times. And then same thing with the Outer Banks. So it's nice to have the option to, of like the city, you know, to go enjoy for a weekend. But it's also nice to live in the little quiet town as well. So. Oh, I think that's really great. And is it very hot, like humid during summer? Or is it OK? Yeah, it can get uh, it can get really humid, especially if it rains and it's hot. It, it sucks. But like right now, it's beautiful. Like right now, it's like uh, like today, it was like 68 out. So we were outside grilling and stuff for dinners. So Nice. Really nice. Well, I look forward to seeing. I really hope I can't wait to see you in Virginia because that would be really cool. I'll definitely be there as long as, you know, nothing happens with quarantine stopping it from happening that's what we're all saying so i'll see you then yes ma'am have a good night thank you so much you're welcome all right good night bye and as usual i just want to say thanks again for listening and make sure you check back next week as my guest is going to be the one and only matt kelly drummer for the band dropkick murphys as always don't forget to go follow me on facebook instagram and twitter join the patreon if you're feeling up to it check out my boy loudmouth threads who killed this original podcast artwork and stay safe